I just don't want to um, bump it as I move. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be together, and I just want to say that I feel so privileged to be able to share what I believe God has on his heart for every single one of us. So we are continuing our series in John. This morning we are looking at the last few verses of John 1. Um, I'd like to read it for us. Um, I'm reading from the NIV, so it's John 1, verse 43 to 51. Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Father, thank you that we can come together and be still in your presence. Father, thank you that we know that your word is alive and active and that it's applicable to us today. Father, I pray that as we dig deeper, Father, I pray that you would still our hearts, still our minds from everything that's going on around us, that we can just be focused on you, Jesus. Open our ears so that we can hear your voice so clearly. Father, I pray that everything that I'm speaking will be from you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Amen. So in other parts of the Bible, Nathaniel is also known as Bartholomew. So Nathaniel and Philip were both God-fearing Jews. They both studied the law, and they were waiting in anticipation for the, for the Messiah to come. And Nathaniel is one way that you can become a disciple of Jesus. We can see um, in him asking if anything could come from Nazareth, that he was spectacle. Um, he, Nazareth didn't have a good reputation, so people didn't really believe that anything could come from there. But even in his being skeptical, thank you, um, he allowed God to still do something. He said, yes, I'll go for it. After Philip um, invited him, he said, yes, let me go and see Maybe this can be the, God, the Son of God. And ultimately, our experiences of Jesus does catch other people's attention. But the true faith rising in someone needs to come from them experiencing Jesus for themselves. But we need to make, still make the, the, the introduction 
We need to invite people, just like Philip invited Nathaniel. We need to invite people to say, come and see, and then trust God to move in that person's life. I want to show you a small clip from the series, The Chosen. Um, the details with regards to why Nathaniel was under the fig tree is not written in the Bible. So the, the series does have truth, real Jesus, God's truth, throughout the whole series. But it does allow for some weaving, some poetic license for us to be able to see a storyline and to view it. But Nathaniel was under the fig tree, that is written in the Bible, and the fig tree was a place of meditation and praying, and that's why Nathaniel was there. So the series uses Nathaniel as an um, uh, architect, so you'll see these drawings in the, in the clip that I'm going to show you. And the storyline that they use is that he um, designed a building and then the building collapsed. So people believe that he was being deceitful in the, in the designing of that building. And then he goes up to the fig tree. So let's have a look, please. You can play it. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Do not hide your face from me. Do you see me? What is this? How do you know me? I have known you long before Philip called you to come and see. Don't look at him, look at me. When you were in your lowest moment, and you were alone, I did not turn my face from you. I saw you under the fig tree. I knew it. That is just such an amazing series. So if you have not seen it, please do yourself a favor and watch it. God really does speak through, through it, and, and the truth about God is, is so applicable and, and true in that series. I wanted to show it to you because I wanted you to, to see the loneliness that Nathaniel experienced. 
I wanted you to see the, the anguish his heart was in in that moment sitting under that tree and how desperate he was to hear from God. When Nathaniel meets Jesus, Jesus shows him that he knows him. He calls him an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And this speaks about Jacob. So to give you some background to Jacob, Jacob was associated with deceit and trickery. Um, he tricked his uncle. He tricked his own brother more than once. And then he wrestled with God. And by supernatural touching of Jacob's hip, Jacob just surrendered. He realized that this is God and I cannot do life without him. He had completely surrendered immediately and his life was turned completely upside down. And God blessed him after that. After he said, I want to believe you. I believe you and I'm giving my life to you. God blessed him and God gave him a new name. He called him Israel. So God gave him Israel and, and he blessed him in such a way that Jacob, eventually he was the forefather of the 12 tribes of Israel. So God truly used him in amazing ways. So when Jesus calls Nathanael, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit, he's referring to Jacob because Nathanael was thinking and meditating and contemplating this story about Jacob, feeling people be feeling like he's being deceitful. That's what Jacob was known for. And, and Jesus, by just the introduction to him, calling him that already shows Nathaniel, he knows me. And then he says, you are, Jesus says, he's not Jacob. He's not the, the, the deceitful man. He is an obedient child of God. He calls him a sincere Israelite. And then when Nathaniel is still not sure, how does he know me? Jesus tells him, I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus had a supernatural knowledge that came from his father to know exactly where Nathaniel was, what he was doing, and what was going on in his heart. And then Jesus promises great blessings to Nathaniel. He says, you will see heaven opened. Open. And then he goes on and he says, you'll see angels ascending and descending from heaven. So this refers to a, a dream that Jacob had. So I'd like to read it for us. It's in, um, written in Genesis 28 verse 12. It's talking about Jacob. He had a dream in which he saw a staircase resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So not only does Jesus say, you are not Jacob. You are not the deceitful man. Not only does he say, I saw you under the fig tree, I did not hide my face from you, but then he also makes the promise, the promise that Jacob had, that he will see heaven opened. 
How amazing is that? He confirms with Nathaniel, I know you. I know what's going on in your heart. I've seen you. I saw you under that tree, and I know you. So this morning you can say, DJ, that is a lovely story. <laughs> it's a lovely story. But, um, and it, it's amazing to think like God, Jesus showed Nathaniel so clearly, like he knows him so intricately. But what does it mean for me today? What does it mean for you today? And this morning I want to tell you that I believe that God wants to say to you this morning, he knows you Intimately, intimately. Sorry, my tongue is knotting in all kinds of places. God knows you intimately. This week at my daughter's school, they did a lesson on um, God creating them and God forming them and that God even knows how many hairs they have on their head. And then the teacher took a video of all these little four-year-olds sitting on the um, mat where they usually have um, story time, and they are all counting their hairs. So cute. But I felt it so applicable to share with you this morning because that is the truth. God knows how many hair you have on your head. And do we believe it in such a way that we will also go and count... No, you don't have to count. Jesus knows how many. We don't have to count. But that is how well God knows you. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Psalm 139 is called God's perfect knowledge of man. So I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but if you ever feel like God doesn't understand you or God doesn't know you or you don't know why you're here, then read that psalm. It's beautiful. So I'm just going to read verse 1 at 15 and 16. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained were written in your book before one of them came to be. Scripture tells us that God even knows what we're thinking. And then it goes further in that saying, God even knows what you're going to be thinking before you even thought it. That is how well God knows you, 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 every single person here. That's how well he knows you. And he has a plan for you. He created you like a puzzle piece with rounds and sharp edges that fits perfectly the way he designed you into his eternal plan. He created you to fulfill a specific purpose and plan that only you can do. He loves you and he's got a plan for you. He knows you. 
And I also believe that God is saying to us this morning that he is inviting you. This last couple of weeks, we were looking at Jesus and how he's been traveling and um, meeting his disciples and inviting them to follow him. And then this morning, I believe that God is saying to you that he is inviting you too. The invitation wasn't just them for that for them for then. It's for you today. Revelations 3, 20, verse 20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Galatians 5, verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Mark 1, verse 17, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. But I also believe that we need to accept the invitation. And it's not just an invitation. Yes, absolutely, it is an invitation. The moment you give your life to Jesus, you are born again. Yes, that is that invitation, and it's beautiful. But it's more than that. It's about accepting Jesus' invitation every single day, in every single circumstance. We have to make the choice to allow him in in every single aspect of our life, every day. As a teenager, I was exposed to a lot of places and people and situations, which I'm sure is true for all, if most if not all teenagers. The moment you, you're all old enough to drive where you want to go, or you have friends that might be a bit older and they can drive you where you need to go, and you don't have to ask your parents. So you can go to clubs, and you go to parties, and you can yeah, do a lot more stuff. And as I was trying to navigate myself as to what is, uh, where is it okay for me to go, and where shouldn't I be going, and what is healthy, and what should be avoided, I pictured Jesus standing right next to me. So can Jesus stand next to me when I go through that door? Or can Jesus be with me if I am doing those things with those people? Will he be happy with, me be, with me, him being with me? And will I be comfortable if Jesus is right next to me? And I didn't get it right always. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I made mistakes. Sometimes I think I try to just ignore the question that I used to ask because I actually know that the answer will be no. Because if any of the, the, those answers were no, then I know I shouldn't be going. Then I shouldn't. Then it's not good for me to be there or do it or whatever. So I made mistakes, and thank you, Jesus, that I'm, I'm protected and I'm still here today. But I believe that it's applicable for us as well, for our kids, for our adults, for us today. And hopefully, the, the older we get, the wiser we get, and it's easier for us to discern as to where the Holy Spirit will be welcomed and where he shouldn't, and then we should be there. This thing? No, it's... No? Okay, sorry. But when we're driving, is it okay if, the, if, if Jesus is in the passenger seat? 
If we are sitting in a dining room table and having a conversation, would Jesus be okay to be part of that conversation? Do we allow him to be part of that conversation? If we are in a boardroom meeting, if we are parenting, if we are working on our marriages, is Jesus accepted in that situation? Do we accept him and allow him to be part of that conversation, part of those thoughts, part of those decisions that we're making? This week we were driving to school and I hooted at someone. I didn't like lay on the horn and like, but I pooped because I felt this person was driving recklessly. And immediately after I hooted, my daughter said, Mommy, what was that? And I realized, whoa, someone is watching me. And I said, no, mommy heard it because I felt like this person was driving recklessly. And then she said, can you hear it again? <laughs> I said, no, it's for special, special circumstances only. But in that moment, I realized that someone's watching me. And that's what Jesus is as well. He's not sitting watching us, waiting for us to make mistakes or judge us or, or condemn us. Um, Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is no condemnation in the one in who is in Christ. But he, he's there and he wants to be there. He is knocking at the door and he's waiting for us to open the door. Literally when we get in the car. No, just joking. But he's, he's knocking. He wants us to open and not when we feel like it or when we... Um, think, oh, yeah, I can, on, I can say yes to that question, so I can allow him. But in every single circumstance, he wants to be part of our lives. He wants to be part of us parenting, part of our businesses, part of our marriages. He wants to be part of it. But we need to say, yes, Jesus, please come in, dine with me. And then my last point is that Jesus is our ladder too. When we look at the story about Jacob and the the dream that he had, it it definitely uh, signifies the covenant that was made between God and Israel. But many scholars believe that there's a deeper meaning to this. There's a new covenant that was forged when Jesus died and rose again. As Jacob's ladder represents the the connection between God and man, so does Christ signifies the spiritual connection between us and and him, between earth and heaven. He is the mediator. He is the stairwell. He is the staircase. Hebrews 9 verse 15 says, For this reason, God is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to be set free from the sins committed under the first covenant. The symbolism of Jacob's ladder may have represented earthly, physical covenant between God and the children of Israel. But Jesus Christ is the new new ladder, the mediator, 
that will bring a spiritual covenant between us and God. He exchanged our sins and he changed our deceitfulness. He died for that so that we can have a fellowship with God open all the time, 24-7. And then Jesus tells Nathaniel, you will see heaven opened. Open. It wasn't just for Nathaniel. The word you that's used there is plural. What? That means that that is for us. We are going to see heaven open. It's not true for Nath- just for Nathaniel. It's true for everyone that puts his faith in Jesus. Jesus opens heaven for us. He delivers us from deceitfulness and changes us drastically, amazingly, like he did with Jacob. He will use us in his kingdom, just like he did Jacob, when Jacob became the forefather of those 12 tribes. If we allow Jesus to say, yes, I know you, I am inviting you, and we say yes, to that, when we allow him in, we are saying yes to a constant, intimate fellowship with God. I'd like to pray for us. Father, thank you. that you know us. Thank you that you designed us. Thank you that you made us, that you formed us, and thank you that you know us inside out. Thank you that we can trust you and allow you in, in every single space of our lives. Father, I pray that you would help us to do that, to put fear of man, fear of whatever, and all those things behind us, but look to you and that you will be consuming those spaces. Father, remind us of Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree because surely there are moments that we feel like we are sitting under the fig tree alone, not being understood. And thank you that we know that you are seeing us. You are not turning your face from us. And we can just run towards you. Thank you for your love. And thank you that you You died for us, Jesus. Amen. We are singing our 